Wags was bawling out of control. He had a top hat by the time he left New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of Tripology. I'm Al and I'm here with the ever exquisite Adam. Thank you very much. And we're not alone, are we, Al? Joined with us once again is my beautiful brother and travel compadre, it's Wagner. Hello, my fellow tripologists. I'm here again. A fan favourite <laughs> from last week returned. For the listener, of course, it's been a long week since they last heard from Wagner. But for us, just moments have passed since the last time we recorded. And in those moments, we've been moved from the room that we were in recording to this slightly shittier room because some other people wanted to use the room. Basically, we're hunting down pockets of Wi-Fi that are available in our uh, in our homestay here. So we found a good pocket and we're here ready to record another episode of Tropology. Brilliant. Thanks very much for your efforts. It, it does mean a lot. I know it's not completely easy for you guys and you're, you're on the move and stuff, but you've got to be creative, much like you have to be when you're on the road. Morocco, home to beautiful landscapes, wonderful cuisine, and some of the most challenging Wi-Fi that I've ever seen. <laughs> good tea, though. Good tea? You drinking lots of tea? Not only good tea, but some of the most wonderful coffee that we've ever had. I've oh, heard a rumor. Coffee's great. I'm, I'm a coffee lover. I've been drinking coffee my whole life, but the coffee culture here is just isn't even one of the most amazing ones we have ever with. Jesus Christ. For the price of only 10 dirham, you can order a, a strong coffee like black tar comes to your to your table. We've been sipping away. Yeah. And you don't even need to go like to a proper coffee shop. Every like nook and cranny, they have the, like tiny, like, you know, they have proper machines and everything. It's just great. Sometimes you'll find a place where you're not even sure if it is a coffee shop and there will be 10 dirhams Black coffee that will set you about on a sort of spiritual journey for the rest of the day. Caffeine, yeah. of course. Just don't of... have too much of it. Exactly, yeah. So Difficult. How do the Moroccans tend to drink their coffee? Is it quite similar to the Turkish in that often it'll be black and there's there's also just a little bit of the granulated coffee that makes its way into your, your sort of espresso-sized mug? It seems well filtered, doesn't it? Yeah, once you finish it, like there's nothing like on the bottom. Right, but no milk. But I think they have it sweeter than us. We just have black. No, just there black, are, there's yeah. sugar available. Yeah. Okay, in cube form. Yes, yeah. cube form sugar. Compressed sugar granules in the shape of a cube. That's it. The last thing we would want is someone listening to this podcast going to Morocco thinking they couldn't get a cube of sugar with their coffee, realizing they actually can. We're not in the business of misinformation here on Tropology Podcast. But what we are in the business of is telling you guys the real truth, the real nitty gritty about what it means to be a long-term traveller travelling the world. And today we're going to do that because if there has been any criticisms of the previous episode, it's that me and Wags were a little bit lackadaisical about the realities of travel. <laughs> we were talking about the beautiful times, the garden yeah. route, being best friends, paying for each other's bungee jumps. But we never talked about how difficult things can get on the road and i know that some of you listeners picked up on that and we're here to <laughs> rectify the situation today i'm looking forward to hearing it i've heard i've heard little bits and bobs about the kind of stuff that you two have, have got up to in your past so yeah both me and and the listener we're going to be listening intently to the stories that you're about to share 
It's perfect. So uh, we touched very briefly last week about me and Wags living in this abode that was all dark and dank, pizza boxes, sellotape to the walls, <laughs> like holes everywhere. It was a terrible, terrible place, really. And me and Wags found ourselves there because we were saving and scrimping for what, for, for me, would be the final leg of that long four-year journey that I took without travelling home, that journey that we've talked about so often on this podcast. Wags was also saving for an adventure of a lifetime. So we basically hunkered down in this terrible place where we paid a very, very small amount of rent. That's why we chose it. And we were there just saving as much money as we can. Wags was sleeping on my sofa. I had a room. We were joined by a litany of other characters from the local area. And it was really quite a a wonderful story. I think we should maybe talk about the dark side of travel with regards to what it really takes to save up money whilst traveling for subsequent trips. Okay. Yeah, yeah, let's dive into it. So you both kind of approached that time in New Zealand in that in that house in that apartment with the with the goal to save as much money as you possibly could in a short space of time, is that right? We've talked about working holiday visas a lot on this podcast and that was one of those, you know. We were both traveling around Africa and we both had in the pocket a working holiday visa, one year in New Zealand with which to earn as much money as possible to pay for subsequent travel. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is a really good time to touch on it, Wags, because Alan and I are both from the UK. We know the visas that we have available to us, but as a Brazilian national, do you know which visas you have available to you? Yeah, things are not as easy for us. Uh, so the, the working holiday visa for New Zealand is one of the very few that we can get. For example, we cannot get it for Australia or for Canada, which are both places that Alan has done that program, right? Wow. So when it, when it comes to like just traveling, right, just grabbing your backpack and just traveling, you know, and backpacking is actually a great passport to have. We can go to most places you guys can. Okay. You know, but when it comes to like going somewhere and just working there, and you know, these kinds of things are more complicated. So US, Canada, Australia. So New, New Zealand is like one of the very few countries that offer that opportunity for us. And when I saw that opportunity, I just grabbed it. Because if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure how things are now, but back then in 2017, they offered only 300 spots for the whole Brazil, it's like 200 million people. Oh, wow. So I was already planning on doing this trip of mine, even though the working holiday visa was not guaranteed, right? So was, my plan was, okay, I'm going to go traveling. I'm going to spend all my money. And worse comes to worse, I'll be back in Brazil. Yeah, sure. But I also had the hope to get this visa, which I finally, you know, could obtain. But it was such a, a hard process. Because, uh, like, they open up at a very specific time and a very specific date. And whoever manages to fill all the forms and, answer all the questions as quickly as possible and pay for the visa, gets it, and they got it. Okay, that's awesome. And a lot of work got into it. But back to your question, yeah, it's not as easy for us to get uh, visas that also allow us to work whilst traveling. Sure, and we're all uh, eager to hear the stories that you're about to tell. But just very quickly, lastly, on visas, do you think that they are well communicated and promoted in Brazil as, as something that you're eligible for and maybe an option that you have at the age of 18, I assume? Uh, yeah, age of 18, you're correct, but I don't think they're promoted enough. You know, I, I think I only know about it because I'm into traveling, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't know. You know, no one ever like has come up to me and say, hey, you can do this and that. So 
what I try to do as a good traveler is to spread the word and tell like people like you know around the same age as me. There you go. But yeah, back to your question. I don't think it's well promoted enough, and I think there should be more opportunities. If I'm not mistaken, um, I think Australia is trying to open up to Brazilians to do the same thing, but we had to have a college degree for that, which in my case I don't have. So okay, I don't know what what was the plan because you know I'm gonna be picking through there anyway. So what's the degree going to be for? But it is what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. And if that's not one of the reasons we're doing this podcast, Al, is to communicate the benefits of these visas and just how many we've got open to us, I think that there will be some listeners in Brazil who will um, I hope so, yeah. You know, see great value in, in what um, WAGS has just explained. Absolutely. So the scene is set. WAGS and 299 other Brazilians <laughs> all made their way to New Zealand that year to start a working holiday visa. And of those 300 Brazilians, WAGS had what? is almost certainly the worst accommodation sleeping on a sofa <laughs> in yeah. that, that place. I'm pretty sure you're right. <laughs> it was awful, wasn't it? Because, you know, I moved into that place just for the cheap rent mm-hmm. and then Wags contacted me for a place to stay. I asked the other people living there, can my Brazilian friend sleep on the sofa? They agreed. And I don't think it really had settled in quite how bizarre that accommodation was, but it, it was bizarre. And to be in your own room in that place was difficult, but Wags was out in the open. So if someone decided to have a party in the living room that day, and they did every day, yeah. Wags was just had to be up <laughs> while it was going on. So your bedtime yeah. was out of order, wasn't it? Yeah, but eventually I think I learned to sleep my way through it. I, I think my body and my mind just got used to the fact that there would be people like doing all sorts of shit while I was trying to sleep to work the next I day. I used to go to the bathroom and see in the living room drum and bass music going on, about 30 people dancing, light shows, smoke going off, and Wags sleeping softly on the sofa in the corner. Yeah. I wonder if Wags had started snoring in the same rhythm as the bass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Roughly about 120, 128 beats per minute. <laughs> Lovely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. beautiful. <laughs> um, so let me get this right. You were paying rent for a room. Wags, you were living for free. No, I was also paying rent. It's like, a, <laughs> I think you were paying like 125 bucks, New Zealand dollars. I was paying, I think, 50 just for the living room, which is like, yeah. Right. 50 yeah. New Zealand dollars. So it was like a, a small fee for the privilege of, of using a bathroom, a shower and yeah. a, a kitchen. But really. This is I, a month. This is uh, is, a week. That, is that weekly? A week. That's a weekly fee. Yeah. Right. And in hindsight, do you think that that's appropriately priced? Probably. I mean, look, in yeah. Auckland, f- stuff's expensive. I mean, no money is appropriate for the conditions we were living in. But <laughs> That's what I was getting at. It seemed yeah. competitive at the very least. Yeah, you know? whether, you know, it was good or not. You know, I still had a roof over my head. Uh, I'm not really sure about the walls, though, because they're full of holes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it got us through. The, it, we saved the money we needed to save. And yeah. And that's what I want to talk about, really, is the resolute determination and absolutism that me and Wagner approached saving that money with. Because, you know, we talked a little bit about our values and virtues being aligned on the previous podcast. And one of the things that we really decided and stuck to with a kind of tenacity that other people might describe as sociopathy was the decision (laughs) to save as much money as possible during that brief period of time. And above all else, we just sacrificed that. We've often looked back at that time and thought we were depressed in that house and we had money. We both had jobs. I was working full-time. Wags was working full-time. 
Why were we staying there? We could have been happy living in a slightly nicer place just together, but we were so committed to saving as much money as possible that we just stuck it out, rode it out. And I think as inappropriate as that absolutism is for happiness, it maybe is one of the things that makes us good travellers. Yeah, and do you think that having you two together in that moment is what helped you get through that difficult time? Because you'd obviously formed a plan, committed to it, executed it to perfection. You, I assume you both managed to save a lot, an awful lot of money. I saved more money in that year than I've ever saved anywhere Same. else. Same. I was wow. just working for six months and I saved an absurd amount of money. There you go. Yeah, hear that? An absurd amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> Wags was bawling out of control. He had a top hat by the time he left New Zealand. <laughs> so how, yeah. because lots of people that go traveling, you know, I think we take on this um, kind of mindset that other countries or when you're, when you're a backpacker in another nation, you don't play by the same rules and you tend to get up to things that you definitely wouldn't do in your home country. So how were you in an environment where I'm assuming there were certain distractions that would have costed you money? I'm alluding to things that I won't be mentioning, but it sounds like it was a party house. Yes. But you still were able to have a good enough time, but still put your pennies away. Well, it's interesting you should say that because, you know, me and Wags were almost entirely drug and alcohol free in that house for the most part. I mean, in compared to the to to other people, and and I think <laughs> you allude to to it being a, a party house, but me and Wags were actually very responsible in that regard, and I think. Actually, we found ourselves really trying to be out of that house and that environment as much as possible. So committed to the concept of travel, were we, that partying, I think, became the last thing on our minds. Wags, tell Adam what it was that we did almost every night in order to avoid the party house, spend very little money and, uh, and, and kind of just escape the hubbub of it all. Yeah, that was playing pool. Uh, we love playing pool. Well, like, I think what you say three four times a week would just like get out of the house you know just to get out of that noise and just you know to clear our minds and have time just for ourselves we would often play pool mm-hmm. as often as we could like we i think we knew pretty much every pool like place in Auckland, right yeah uh, and... pool became the, the our salvation really, really because so difficult was our living situation and so desperate were we to save money pool was something that was really affordable it was something that we could do and just shut our minds off to everything else. It literally got to the stage where I'd come home stressed from work. Wags would come home stressed from work. We'd open the door and and dry ice would billow out of the (laughs) the house and drum and bass music was going. And Wags would just look at me and go, pool. (laughs) And we'd just get right out of there and go and play pool. And that was a regular occurrence. So I think, you know, it saved us really. Yeah, and I would just go to this pool halls and like, you know, just focusing like on the ball you just become the ball you become the the cue and you know just <laughs> forget about all your problems and believe me we had a lot of problems back then i think we look back at it these days quite fondly at our time in new zealand but uh, things could get quite rough sometimes there couldn't it? so often we'll say to each other god you know in hindsight that was when we were the happiest like we had mm. we had jobs and we had each other and we you know loved each other and loved each other's company and and we really had very little to complain about, but it was uh, it was just a challenging living situation, being so so goddamn energetic in that house. 
But I think if there's one thing that I want to convey to the listener about the, the kind of message around that story is it maybe seems quite insane. Like, why were we really doing that? You know, maybe we enjoyed the party house a little bit and maybe, you know, we could have easily just gone somewhere different. But I think we just had an aim and our yeah. aim was travel and it came at the expense of, of everything else. And I think that it doesn't have to necessarily. So the message of the podcast isn't going to be, hey, if you want to travel, prioritize saving above else, just absolutely save as much money as you can, forgo everything else in your life. I actually think that's a negative mindset to have. And me and Wags learned that firsthand. But that said, at that point, me and Wags were already experienced travelers. I knew that the next leg of my adventure was going to be the most expensive. I was off to Patagonia. Wags knew that your next adventure was going to be kind of like your last shot, right? Because you didn't have any more working holiday visas yeah. to use. So we knew kind of what our situation was and we knew what it was going to take yeah. in order to have the money that we needed for the onwards yeah. trip. We had to make the most of it. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think with that, Adam, I'm exhausted just reminiscing about that house frankly <laughs> and like Wagner failed to do on so many occasions sat on that sofa I'm going to try and actually get some rest and take a brief meditation if you would join me I'd love to I've got the drum and bass snores ringing in my head I'll see you in a bit Oh, I think the listeners should know that during that meditation break, me and uh, Wagner just regaled Adam with some of the tales, the real true nitty gritty, not fit for podcast stories about what happened in that terrible Kiwi accommodation. And Adam now is shell-shocked and doesn't want to continue the podcast. No, I do. I'm looking forward to the Patreon episodes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was really a... a a crazy time, man. So I think with that in mind, I think we've explained all we can about why we were doing that and sort of the kind of absolutism that sometimes it takes to really follow your goals with travel. I think maybe we could finish like a golfer popping a ball down the driving range on an upswing with regards to a special moment that me and Wags shared uh, during travel. Would you like to hear a, a positive story, Adam? Yeah, yeah, I would actually. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, a little bit windswept after your tales during the med break. So yeah, let's hear something that's going to put a smile on my face. And much like the bungee jumping story from last week, there's a narcissistic element to this tale in that it's told from my perspective once again. <laughs> but it's another moment where Wags did something for me which I felt was really quite special and I want to share on the podcast what that was, if you don't mind. Do it, do it now. The very last leg of my four-year journey without going home took place in Brazil in Wagner's flat, Wagner's apartment. Wagner kindly offered me a place to stay. And the very last month that I spent, having not seen my family in four years, was spent in that apartment. And Wags was really there for me during that time. He'd come home from work, we'd play pool, we'd go and smoke shisha and we'd kind of hang out and listen to music. And it was this really beautiful time. And I remember it really fondly. And it wasn't until kind of days before I had to go home where the idea that this trip, this journey was kind of coming to a close in the sense that I very much regarded that as being the first chapter of a wider experience. I was really aware that returning to the house 
in which I grew up would kind of close that first initial chapter. Mm, And that really came to a head that last kind of day. My flight was in the evening and I'd spent that day, would you... Would it be fair to say riddled with anxiety? Ah, yeah, I think it would be more than fair to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Wags was really there for me during that time, man. And I think it really was surmised with the taxi ride to the airport. I got in that taxi, Wags rode with me to the airport. And obviously, you know, Wags being from Brazil, he said to the taxi driver a bunch of words that I didn't understand. And on the the radio, on I assume he connected his Spotify account or something, you know, started blaring all the tunes that Wagner had introduced me to in South Africa that we'd listened to together in New Zealand. It was an hour cab ride to the airport, and it was filled with blaring songs that had been significant throughout the travel experience. I have videos on my phone of us sat in the back of that taxi just screaming music at the top of our lungs. It took me out of the headspace of something coming to a close and allowed me to reminisce about all the times gone by. I remember it so vividly as being a beautiful experience. And I think that could have been really negative for me, that cab ride. That cab ride could have been the closing of a chapter that I didn't want to close, anxiety about coming home for the first time, and wags in all his foresight you know, said to the to the cab driver, I assume something to the to the to the tune of, hey, this guy's kind of ending his trip. Let's get some music on. Tell the story from your perspective, Wagner. Yeah, I still remember this day vividly, you know, the I could tell that you're getting more and more anxious, you know, as the days went by. Just before your flight, we also had a problem with your Esther as well, if I'm not mistaken, right? My Esther, yeah. I forgot to buy an Esther for the US because it was just a transit flight and yeah. I found out I needed one. Yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, and I think we spent, we left Santos, which is where I live, where Al stayed with me for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Then we spent the last two days in Sao Paulo, and then we took the cab from Sao Paulo to the to the airport. And I, I remember, because like, you know, I've myself been in that position, right? Even though I was not traveling as long as I was traveling for, I remember, you know, having to make the decision to, to go home, whether, you know, it was because I had no, no funds anymore or because it needed to be done. And I... When that happened to me, I was on my own, right? So I had to be like, it was a very, let's say, reflective journey, you know, going back all the way home just with me and my thoughts alone, mm-hmm. you know, just having music by my side, which helps anyways. But, you know, I think having someone there for you, like through the whole journey, because I remember I walked with him until the very, you know, until I, I could, you know, the very, like, not the boarding gate, but just before immigration, I think. And I, I, I again, it's not something that I, really gave a lot of thought into it. it just felt the right thing to do i just i could see like in his eyes that he was anxious and like there's so much going through his mind i just wanted to make things easier for him so i just wanted to try to get his focus out of all the go was going through his head because i had been that place before right so i just remember all the tunes we we like to listen to just you know just talking bullshit on the way just laughing you know and in the blink of an eye, we were there at the airport and he was happy and smiling and he was looking forward to seeing his family. Uh, I, really, I really remember the day and I cherish this memory. You know, it was a, another bonding experience for us. I think it was a great way to close this chapter, you know, of this four-year journey he had, as he said, like uh, the first chapter of a wider journey, which, you know, he's still on and I'm happy for him. And yeah, man, I think once again, it's like traveling, just going, 
giving back to people you know, to people you love, to strangers. And, you know, and, and I think we were talking about the dark side of traveling, but I think it's very important for us to end the podcast with a, <laughs> with a beautiful story like this one. For, for a lot of people, it might just say, all right, you guys just took a taxi cab to the airport and that's it. But I think for Alice, well, a pretty important memory is a pretty important memory for me as well. And I think, I think that's it, you know? Um, it's yeah. beautiful, isn't it? Because what actually is incredible maturity, foresight, cognizance of someone else's feelings. These are things, you know, that maybe seem just natural to someone like Wagner. But really, that's what makes him a good traveler. It's that thinking about other people's mindset. And again, we talked about this on the last episode, being cognizant of your fellow traveler, paying it forward, being there for them. It's just another example of, of that, really. But having the empathy to understand what I was going through and how to pull me out of that and make that into a positive experience... What a wonderful thing. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, totally. I would love to hear the playlist of your friendship. You know, whatever it was, those... I hope, oh, I hope if you can, Wags, if you've got a bit... It's full of bangers, mate, I'm telling you. <laughs> Music's always been a big part of our friendship, actually, yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah. Because yeah. our first, you know, trip together was was renting a car and going on that road in South Africa. And, of course, you know, we, we shared a lot of music during that time. Absolutely. And do you think now that you have gone on many trips in your lives, independently and together, uh, do you now, when you, when you call it time, when you know that you are going to be returning home, let's say, are you better prepared emotionally for that, for that to happen? I think that the idea of travel has shifted and is malleable for me. And I think that home is rapidly becoming a more fluid concept for me also you know I no longer have access to the home in which I grew up like I did four years you know you know after traveling my mm -hmm. my parents have moved not without think, breaking a law anyway <laughs> exactly yeah I just think like home is wherever I feel comfortable right and you know right now I'm with my brother in Morocco and that's a kind of home when I was staying with you in Canada that was a, a kind of home you know Wags, what about you? Is, is home Brazil? Um, it is, but at the same time, it is not. You know, differently from you, right? You, you've been on this journey for so long now. But again, as I have said on this podcast and on the previous episode as well, I had to go back to Brazil for certain reasons and I got kind of stuck there for the last two and a half years. And it, I think it does, I think it is still my home. But because I have experienced the things I experienced over the last few years, I can call anywhere. I feel like calling home home, you know, just like you said, I'm here with you and there's like place in Morocco, I cannot even pronounce the name. This is my home, you know, we were just having dinner like three hours ago. Oh, let's go home. Cause like I can adapt and like feel comfortable like at any place, place pretty much. And that's something that I've learned through traveling. You know, I can remember like when I first got on the plane and went by myself in Thailand, I, I was not comfortable at that time because it was my first time doing it. But as the we the years went by, I think I can call home anywhere I feel like calling home. Yet I still I am still based in Brazil, so that's kind of home for me as well. So let's say I have two homes at the moment. <laughs> Amazing! What a beautiful thing to have two homes. And you, Adam, home? Where is it? It's Canada. It's the Okanagan Valley. Certainly, it's somewhere that I now feel very comfortable. And every opportunity I get to go out and explore, I take. You know, I grab it with both hands. But certainly... Like a migratory bird, you've built a new nest and now are calling it home. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it is a fantastic place to live, I would say, even, even objectively, right? But all the things that we've gone through psychologically, having to stay in one place for a long time because, you know, 
it, it, it that should not be mentioned happened over the last two years. <laughs> and I think that what I really want to say is that not being able to travel for us is like removing a part of our personality or, or limiting so many things that we know are possible. So it's been tough and I'm, I'm with you, mate. Like I, I'm sure I've felt all the feelings that you felt in that regard. So, um, yeah, it's certainly not something that should be just swept aside. You have to address it in a certain way. And I know that there'll be lots of people listening to this podcast that feel exactly the same. Absolutely. Well, that's what we aim to do with Tropology, be nothing if not relatable. Adam, is there anything else that you want to inquire about while we've got Wagner, one of the greatest travellers that's ever lived, sat next to me on the other side of this call? Is there anything that you want to say? Or is that it for today's episode? No, there's always something I'm going to want to say to Wags, obviously. Um, Add an addendum. (laughs) There's... There's just one thing. I'm really excited to have you on the pod because your grasp of English is exceptional, but it's obviously not your mother tongue. So I'm very passionate about languages. Yeah. And I just, um, basically, I want you to explain to Alan (laughs) the benefits of speaking a second language and how it can change the way your mind works. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It opens like whole new words to you, right? I mean, at the moment, I'd say I'm only, I only speak Portuguese, which is my mother language, and English. But in the past, I used to speak quite good French, and I was fluent in Japanese. But What? Yeah, I used to be. But like, that was like 10 years ago, and I stopped speaking it completely. Now I forgot almost everything. That's insane. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's different for me because like I started learning English from a very young age, so I kind of like grew up with it. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's such a convenient thing to have, you know, just switching between languages and like, yeah, I I, I think he understands the benefits, don't don't you? And he's trying. I mean, his French is quite nice these days. Well, I'm only joking anyway. I can understand it? it better than I can speak it, but I certainly can't speak it well. I lament my inability to speak languages better. And I actually think it's yeah. you know somewhat of a point of shame that I travelled in South America for so long and my Spanish is yeah. as poor as it is. Yeah, but you know, all in all, I think it's just convenient, right? Because like whether you like it or not, English is like the universal language, right? Mm-hmm. And I kind of like felt I've gotten lazy with languages because of that, because uh, my English is just as fluent as my Portuguese. I'd say, of course, I have you know accent and stuff. Uh, I I don't have that urge to learning new languages. I like being grossed. So much like in the in because I have English right, so I can just get by. You know, mm-hmm. you know. I, I remember when I used to like travel, like when I started traveling five six years ago. I would try to look it up on Wikipedia, like take some quick lessons about the place I was gonna go to. But now I know I don't really need that. I can get by just English. So I got, I think I got kind of lazy like in learning new languages because of that. Wax sometimes uses words in English that I don't understand. Like he's got a vast vocabulary. <laughs> There's no way that's true. Surely not you. Maybe me. <laughs> it's happened yeah, a couple him, of times. Yeah. He's, he's trying to be nice to me. Yeah, you eloquent bastard. <laughs> I think the um, I think the point I'm making is that uh, is that we are so incredibly fortunate, and languages, uh, just as a general topic, is going to feature many times over this podcast. Of course, it will because we're going to have international guests, and um, you know, I'm very passionate about languages as it is. But it's very difficult to quantify just how much easier it is for native English speakers around the world. And I I really want people to understand that. I don't know if there's a way in which we can convey that, but just being able to speak English as your mother tongue makes traveling so much easier in so many different ways. 
to yeah. the point where would you almost say that English is, you know, for anyone who's considering long-term travel without English is going to have a pretty rough time. Is English a prerequisite, some level of English being a prerequisite to long-term travel across multiple continents? I think it would be the language to learn if you're ever going to learn one, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we are having quite a hard time here in Morocco, are we? Because like a lot of people do not speak English at all. It's all about Arabic, obviously, and like French, because this used to be a French colony, right? Mm -hmm. So it's Arabic first, of course, and then French and like Spanish. So like, I mean, even though I speak Portuguese, that's my mother language, and it's very similar to Spanish. I'm not quite confident to speak it like fluently as I am with Portuguese and English. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we get quite a little bit of trouble because like we cannot speak English or Spanish properly, and like the the, the local people do not speak, you know, English. So yeah, we kind of had some mishaps. It's been very nice to travel with someone who's trilingual, like. You know, because wags can try English, try French, try Spanish. Like, you know, if uh, three times he fails, then we have to get Google Translate out. But he's, it's been a benefit to have such a uh, brilliant linguist traveling with. It's almost as if I uh, like traveling with wags for a specific reason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? I wonder, <laughs> because... <laughs> Because your level of English is so high, maybe you've just used all your chips on that one language. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, look, <laughs> my um, field of study was linguistics, and we were talking uh, the other night to some fellow backpackers about this thing in your brain called the language acquisition device, which makes learning languages prior to puberty easier than post-puberty. So I think in a, in a place like Brazil, where you, know, you have Portuguese as the language that you speak, but then you're also maybe exposed to other languages, maybe in school, maybe in music, maybe in things. I think it's like probably means that your level of fluency in English is greater than I could ever achieve in, if I tried to learn Portuguese. Yeah, because again, I started learning English from a young age, right? I think it was like seven or eight when I started. And just like we were talking the other night, French or Japanese, for example, even though I was pretty good at them, I started learning them when I was like 16 or 17. And then I learned them like quite quickly, but then I just completely stopped using them out of the blue, all of a sudden, right? And now I just forgot. But I don't think, I don't ever see myself like not being able to speak English. You it know, would be terrible just... for me if you stopped speaking English. <laughs> we just not be friends anymore. <laughs> Imagine, one, after a few years of being at sea or something, I ring my best friend and ask him, like, you know, how things are going, and he just doesn't speak the same language as oh. me anymore. It'd be awful. That's it. But Al, you'll you'll be able to say this. Uh, you'll probably know this better than I do. But I was told the other day, and the reason why this is important uh, for your case is because you're an exceptional musician who just seems to have a natural ability. Someone told me the other day that it's the same part of your brain that you use, the same sort of um, skill set, if you like, to learn languages and instruments. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I'm not evidence of that, I don't think. You know, but I think it's definitely true that you can learn music more easily at a younger age than you can later on. And in that sense, you know, maybe it's similar to language. And I think there is definitely a musical quality to the rhythm of language when spoken fluently. But um, who knows? I think one thing is for certain, languages in general are an important thing to have a grasp of when you're traveling, not just for making yourself understood, hopping on a bus, moving from place to place, but also in the hostel dorm room, just in social situations. English is the language of the hostel dorm, thankfully for me. But I think uh, just having a grasp of the language of the place that you're in is of some benefit. 
But could it be said that the real language that unites us all is the language of curiosity, the language of the trip? That's what we're all here for as tropologists. I think that's going to be it for today's episode. But it's not the last time that you've heard from the man sitting here, Wagner, cage diving with sharks, kissing an ostrich, filing a missing person (laughs) report in New Zealand. These are all stories that we can tell on subsequent episodes whenever Wagner arrives in the room. On next week's episode of Tropology, I will be discussing all things Morocco. I'm going to give Adam a thorough debriefing about what went down here in Morocco. But that's it for this week, I think. I, for one, will see you on the next episode. (laughs) Will you join me there, Adam? I can't wait for it, mate. I'm looking forward to it. And goodbye to Wags. We'll see you on the next episode. Till next time, guys. Wags. Bye. Cheers again. Love you all. Bye. 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 Bye.